Ava has uh, decided to follow Christ and she's going to get baptized and I'm excited about it. So I will get to baptize my sister Ava in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Burlington Baptist Church. Uh, we just want to take a moment to welcome you guys here. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Uh, guys, if you forgot that today was Valentine's Day, it is probably too late for you. But uh, we'll be praying for you throughout the day. Uh, but welcome uh, to just the worship service this morning. If you are a guest with us this morning, we are so glad that you guys are here. Uh, whether you're here in person or if you're a guest with us online. Uh, if you're here in person, uh, we would like to get a connection card from you because that gives us an opportunity just to kind of stay up to date with you and, and just kind of communicate some back and forth. Uh, those connection cards are at the starting point desk back in our atrium area. If you're following along with us online and you're a guest with us, you can actually fill out one of those connection cards through our church website. And so uh, we've got a lot of stuff coming up in the next couple weeks uh, here at the church. Uh, one thing that we are going to start doing is in our early service, we are going to have a section kind of off uh, for people who would like to wear masks all the time because we want to try to make sure that everyone feels safe and welcome as people start to, to kind of come back and get back to church. And so uh, that will be in our first service on Sunday mornings, we'll kind of just have a, an area sectioned off for people to wear masks throughout the whole service. Um, and we've got a lot of opportunities for growth coming up over the next few weeks. Uh, starting in March, uh, we've got our men's discipleship group. And so we've got several of those forming. They are going to be uh, Sunday mornings, and then we have some on Wednesday morning and Wednesday night. So guys, if you're interested in that, please register online because we're getting real close to that. Uh, we also have some discipleship opportunities coming up for the women of the church. Uh, we've got some groups forming that same week, that first week of March. They're going through a book together called Women of the Word, and there's some registration stuff for that online as well. And then finally, we've got our Kids Rock is going to start back up in the second week of March. It'll be March 10th, and they're going to be doing that from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. So we've got a lot of exciting stuff going on, and, and we're just excited to continue worshiping together and growing together. And so this morning, as we uh, continue our worship service, I'd like to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be here worshiping you, just worshiping together. God, uh, we just pray that throughout this day that we just continue to see your love in everything that we do. God, we love you, and it's your name we pray. Amen. And at this time, I would like to invite my wife up, Sarah, and she is going to read scripture for us this morning. Our verse this morning is from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7, and it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Well, before Lindsay gets us started, I wanted to make sure you guys know I have black shoes and white soles, and Jonathan has brown shoes and white soles. So if you get us confused because we're dressed alike, that's how you can tell us apart. On that note, would y'all please join us? We're going to lift our voices in praise today, and we're so happy to be here, but more importantly, we're so happy to be here and to listen to you all sing with us. So turn around, say good morning to somebody, maybe not someone that you're usually talking to, but...
with you all and hear that it's it feels good <laughs> um, this next one we're going to do is a new one we've never done it but it's just a reminder of how evident his love and faithfulness is for us even in times that we can't see it it's a nice reminder Come and feel relief. 
this next one for us and selfishly I get really excited um, it never fails we kind of go back and forth and maybe pick songs or maybe force them upon them um, but I've always imagined that once I get to the pearly gates that there's gonna be these voices of angels and there's no doubt that Courtney has a voice of an angel so I chose this song for her told her to do it um, it's just a song between you and the one person the audience it's between you and the Lord and it's beautiful. She does a great job of it. Yeah. 
Amen. That's beautiful. That word Hosanna is just a, a Jewish word of praise. And uh, we got our words of praise, and we like to use them like hallelujah. And, and so uh, happy Valentine's Day to you. So good to see you. If you are a man who forgot that, then uh, maybe uh, quote some 1 Corinthians 13 where it says, Love is patient and kind. It keeps no record of wrong. And uh, I tried. I don't know if it will go over, but uh, you might uh, try that. Uh, how many of you have been married over 50 years? We got anybody over 50 years in here? All right, all right. That's awesome. I heard that uh, Harold and Anna are going to have 69 years this week, so that's pretty good. I don't know if anybody's got more than that in here. Maybe if you're listening online, you can uh, put in your number of years together. We got anybody over 60 in here, 60 years together? All right, the, the radar's up here, yay. Should we, should we try 65? How many of you all have? 63. Anybody got more than 63 in here this morning? All right. Well, uh, uh, that's awesome. Praise the Lord for marriage. Uh, our deacons have been taking some candy and some flowers to our widows. We love our widows and widowers. And, and we know this is a hard day for some of you because you miss your, your sweetheart. Uh, but we love you and we want you to, to know Christ's love for you. We're in a series called Turning Our Eyes Upon Jesus, and we know that as we look to Him, He, he changes us and changes things. And, and this morning, I just want to look at Jesus' view on marriage and love and, and even divorce. And so I'm in Matthew chapter 19, and I want to invite you to, to turn there, and I want to welcome those listening online. Thank you for tuning in today, and uh, thank you for being here. You are a good-looking group this morning. And uh, Matthew chapter 19 a love for a lifetime. I invite you to stand and we'll honor God's word together. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him and he healed them with he healed them there. And the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And and the main point of the message this morning is, is in verses 4 through 6. It's God's design for marriage, and Jesus lays it out here for us. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. That's the picture there in verse 5. So they're no longer two but one flesh. Well, therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Let's, let's pray. Father, we come uh, to your word and we thank you for it. Thank you for the instructions you have given us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that helps us to, to understand and to live out your word and Lord, I just know that uh, in a room this size and people listening online, I know that uh, your word will go out and it will do some things. It will maybe bring comfort, maybe it will challenge, maybe it will convict. Uh, Lord, I just want to pray that, that you would speak loudly this morning through your word. Would you give us ears to hear and receptive hearts. And Lord, we'll just be willing uh, hearers of your word and not just hearers but doers of your word and Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't know about your love for them, I pray that that would be revealed and that they would respond in faith to that love. And so we invite you to, to spend some time with us and speak to our hearts this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So uh, by the time we get to Matthew 19, Jesus, the, the cross is drawing nearer. And uh, the religious leaders, you know, they're trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to attack him. And, uh, and so they come here and they, they want to ask him a question about one of the hotly debated issues of the day. And that was the issue of divorce. And they're trying to kind of catch him in a trap. And uh, I was telling from my study, uh, divorce was rampant in this society. And uh, some historians claim that it wasn't. It, was, uh, it wasn't uncommon for some Roman men to have been married up to 15 times in their lifetime. Now, you'd have thought they'd learned, but they, they didn't. That uh, wasn't as prevalent amongst Jewish people, but it was still one of the, the real issues of the day. Uh, today, there are approximately 2,400 divorces per day in America. 
2,400, that's a, that's a lot. I, I was trying to do some research this week about the effects of COVID on divorce, and uh, early on, I think that it increased the rates of divorce, and, and as I was doing some Googling and stuff, I found some articles that said it had gone up, and some that said it had gone down. And so, what about that? You try to study something, and you find different uh, perspectives. But we've all seen the, the fallout that arises uh, from divorce. It's hard to measure. We know it affects the man, the woman, the children, the extended family. Uh, we live in an age where nearly every family has been affected in some way by uh, the cruelty of divorce. Uh, so, I, listen, I just approach this subject with fear and trembling. Uh, I'm realizing that I'm preaching to people who have gone through the hurt of divorce. And uh, you know the hurt and the shame and the, the turmoil that it brings with it. And my job is not to make you hurt any more than what you've already hurt through divorce. Uh, my objective is simply to share what Jesus said and try to communicate that and uh, in a loving manner. And... Uh, and that, that being said, we might not agree on everything I say, and, and that's the case sometimes. And I just want you to know I love you anyway, and uh, just realize that, that as we go through the Word, there's sometimes we see things a little bit different. That's okay. Uh, when the subject of divorce comes up, I, I think there's often two tendencies. Uh, some people try to lower the biblical standard to, to make people feel better about uh, that. Others tend to, to uh, go beyond what the Bible teaches. And I think their intent is to try to stem the tide of divorce, to, uh, to raise the, 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 to uphold the sanctity of marriage. And, and sometimes they go further than Scripture teaches. And, and so I think we have to be careful not to take away from or add to the Word of God. It is true and final. It's our authority. And, and so uh, we usually like to just dive right into the Word Bef- before we do that. I, I just want to say, I mean, I love being married. And we're going to talk about marriage this morning, and I, I think a lot of you love being married. I, Jenny and I, we've been married going on 26 years. And I, I just I remember going and coming out. I mean, the, the bride gets to walk down the aisle, but the husband just kind of comes out. Uh, but I remember that, and I remember Brother Barry, and he said, will you take her to be your wedded wife? And I said, I do, and I remember her saying I do for me. And you, you, you remember that? And uh, if you're married, maybe you remember some of the vows. I, Harold, take you, Jenny, to be my what a wife to have and to hold from this day forward. For better or for worse, for richer or poor, and sickness and health to love, honor, and cherish as long as we both shall live. And, and I like to use those uh, words, especially that, that last part, as long as we both shall live in, in uh, weddings. Uh, and, and so this, there's a high calling to marriage, and uh, love is to be for a lifetime, and I, I think we'll see that this morning. I referenced the, the movie Fireproof. Uh, it's been a few years since I saw it, but it is a really good movie about love. Uh, one of the things, uh, the two main characters, uh, Caleb and Catherine, they were kind of starting down the road towards divorce. And uh, Caleb said to his friend Michael at the, at the firehouse, one of the, his fellow firefighters, he, uh, he said that, I, you know, I don't see this, uh, our marriage is probably going to end. And Michael said this to, to Caleb. He says, I've seen you running into a burning building to save people you don't even know but you're going to let your own marriage burn to the ground. And I, and I think sometimes, uh, maybe I'll speak to the men, I think sometimes we can relate to that. Uh, I know personally there, there was a time in our lives early on in ministry, I, I think I was, uh, well, I say this carefully, I think I was probably a better pastor than I was husband. And I, I was more prone to try to take care of the needs of the church and sometimes neglecting my wife. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't hardly admit it back then, but God had to show that to me. And, and sometimes we're good at other things, and yet we neglect the most important relationship. And, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. The Pharisees come to Jesus with this question in verse 3. Is it lawful to divorce, well, that word means to send away one's wife for any cause? And uh, isn't that a dumb question? I mean, we're like, well, why do you ask Jesus a dumb question like that? And literally, he doesn't even answer it. Uh, he immediately gets to God's design for, for marriage. And he says in verse 4, have you not read? And, uh, and so I just want us to be reminded this morning that God had a design for marriage. And he just lays it out. Verse, verse 4, have you not read that, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And, and we know that's another whole sermon. But God's design, male and female, they're, they're the two that, that come together. And uh, verse 5, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. So there are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. 
what God has joined together, let no man separate. And so they, they really couldn't trap him in that first question, and so they ask another one in verse 7, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And Jesus nails the answer to this one, doesn't he? Verse 8, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. You see, divorce is because of man's heart. We, we all have a heart problems. We, our hearts are desperately wicked. And, uh, and so God instituted marriage as part of His special plan for mankind. And, and divorce corrupts God's plans by really placing our selfish desires above His. And so I want to spend most of the time this morning talking about marriage and, and love, uh, but I want to teach this passage faithfully. And so first of all, I want to acknowledge that divorce is permitted, and I want to be real careful with the words I use. I, it's not preferred, it's not prescribed, but it is permitted. And so verse 7, the Pharisees point out that Moses spoke about a certificate of divorce. That, that's in Deuteronomy 24.1, and we'll look at it in a few minutes uh, but, but the Pharisees had taken these certificates of divorce and, and used them as weapons in marriage. Uh, and so if you study this, historians will say that the Pharisees actually carried with them the certificate of divorce. And uh, if their wife made some type of mistake, they would pull out that certificate of divorce kind of to threaten them a little bit. Now, we know today we can get on the Internet and file for it. You can, well, I mean, we can do it quick, but, but the Pharisees, they, they kind of had it in their, the back pocket of the robe, and uh, they was ready to, to pull that out. And, uh, and so, again, my purpose this morning is not to beat up on, on those of you who have already been through the pain of divorce. Uh, divorced Christians are not second-class church members any more than any others who have committed a sin and seeking God's forgiveness. And that's all of us, right? We're all sinners. We, we sin. And we confess our sins, we receive His forgiveness, and uh, no one plans on getting a divorce. And yet, every year in America, 8,760,000 divorces, uh, 16,846 per week. Uh, and I saw this statistic a few years ago, and it's, I'm just going to think about this. The U.S. has about 5% of the world population, and we have over half of the world's divorces. 5% of the people and over half of the divorces. And so something, something's wrong there, isn't it? And uh, so I do a lot of premarital counseling. I try to really talk about marriage before people get married. And uh, those who invest in premarital counseling, uh, that usually well serves them. But no, but no one ever comes in and says anything like, well, I doubt this is going to work. We're probably going to end up in divorce. I wouldn't marry them if they did, but, but nobody's ever come and said that. Uh, and, and so sometimes I have a hard time understanding why, why Christians have such a high divorce rate. Now, it's not as high as non-Christians, but it's still too high. It's no little matter. Church, this is something that grieves the heart of God. And, and here's the deal. Some people who call themselves Christians, they call Jesus Lord. Uh, they don't really care what Jesus thinks about what they're doing. Now, you think about that. If we call Jesus Lord, we ought to care what He says, shouldn't we? And so I remember... Some years ago, a couple came to counseling, and the, the lady just right off the top said, uh, I'm done. I'm done. Greg, you, you ever heard that? I'm, I'm done. And, uh, <clears throat> and I said, are, are you a Christian? And she said, yeah. And I said, so does it matter what Jesus says about your marriage? And she said, well, I guess. <clears throat> I said, what, what do you think would most honor him? And she said, I'm done what she said and you know jesus has this remarkable question asked this remarkable question in luke 6 46 he says why do you call me lord lord and not do what i tell you and that's a really good not, not just in regards to divorce but in just in general why do we call him lord and we don't look to see what he says and we don't do what he tells us and and so uh if we care what god says we we know that he he hates divorce malachi two sixteen for the lord god of israel says he hates divorce and, and again he doesn't he doesn't hate divorcees. He, he hates divorce. He, he hates what it does. It, 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 this, this sad reality that, uh, that it, it hurts and it tears and it just tears families up. And, and here's the deal. Many divorces, <clears throat> I didn't say all, but, but many divorces are, are unbiblical and, and unnecessary. 
And so back to the question, why did Moses give us a certificate of divorce? Well, he did in, in Deuteronomy 24.1. And it says that when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hands and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of her. It was really to protect the, the woman. But anyway, Moses gave some instructions uh, about a man finding some indecency in his wife. The, the word is erah, and it is unclean or immoral, something immoral about his wife. And so there's these rabbinical schools. This, this is the schools where the religious leaders, the rabbis would go to get training. There, there was one very liberal rabbinical school called the School of Hillel, and uh, they interpreted indecent as meaning just about anything. And so they said a man is able to, I mean, he's a, he can divorce his wife if she spoils the dinner or if she looks at another man on the street or if she becomes plain looking and, and he finds someone more beautiful. I mean, just anything. And, uh, and so there were controversy over this issue. And so I, I think that's probably why the Pharisees asked Jesus this question point blank in verse 3. Is it, is it lawful to divorce your one's wife for any cause? And so apparently there were people then, as there are now, who just look for anything as grounds for divorce. And, and uh, so many people miss the joy of marriage because they're so quick to throw in the towel. And here's what we do. We often magnify our conflicts with one another. We magnify the conflicts more than we above the, the commitment that we made to one another. Uh, and so I, I said we should acknowledge that divorce is permitted. Uh, verse 9, Jesus says that, uh, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And so Jesus asked, is, is, it, is it acceptable for any reason whatsoever to get a divorce? And, and really says the only reason for divorce is sexual immorality. Uh, he uses the word pornea. It's a really broad term that really describes all illicit sexual activities outside the bonds of marriage. And, uh, and so Jesus is, is very clear here. Uh, really, regardless of the difficulties in marriage, he, he wants us to stick it out. And the only reason that he gives us uh, for divorce is sexual immorality or unfaithfulness and now, in, there's a passage in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 15, where the Apostle Paul seems to give us a second reason for divorce. Let me just read that. If the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. And so if a believer is married to an unbeliever, which is not a good idea on this, to start with, we, we shouldn't be unequally yoked, but, but if that takes place... Uh, and the believer has done everything that he or she can do to make the marriage work, and the, the unbeliever wants a divorce, and the believer, Paul says, is not enslaved or in bondage. And so the, the believer is able, free to grant that divorce. Uh, it's really kind of a last resort. And it doesn't say that they're to, uh, to pursue the divorce, but they're to, to grant it. And so I, I think the only time that a Christian can biblically initiate a divorce is in the case of sexual immorality. And even then, I, I just want to say this again, it's, it's not preferred. or If it can be avoided, it should be. And, and listen, it, if, if there's unfaithfulness, then it's hard. And it, it's a lot of, man, it's a lot of work. And, uh, but, but with the help of God, uh, you can get through that. And you can heal and forgive, and, but avoid it. Listen, I'll tell you what, you're in for a mess if you're unfaithful in your marriage. And, uh, and so know that up front. But there are all kinds of reasons today given for divorce. We're just not, we just don't love each other anymore. Uh, we're just not compatible. He gets on my nerves. Uh, she's always nagging me. Uh, we have these irreconcilable differences. Uh, I, I tell this uh, one Sunday morning in an old country church, the people were gathered before the church started, and, and Satan pops out of the front, and everybody gets up, screams, and runs out except for one, one fella, and uh, he just sits there, and Satan doesn't understand what's going on, and so he says, do you know who I am? And he said, yep. And he said, well, why aren't you afraid of me? And the old fella said, well, I married your sister about 48 years ago. <laughs> I hope nobody can relate to that. <laughs> but uh, 
regardless of how difficult your marriage is, listen, the Lord wants you to stick it out. And, and He has given us everything we need. He has given us instructions. He has given us His Spirit to help us. And, and so, uh, and so I, in Scriptures, I only find those two reasons why divorce is permitted, sexual immorality or adultery, and abandonment by an unbeliever. And so if we acknowledge that divorce is permitted in, in these two circumstances, then let's just quickly affirm that remarriage is possible. And uh, we should do that. If, if you are divorced because of sexual immorality on the part of your spouse, then I believe that you're free biblically to remarry and if you choose. And you don't need to feel guilty about that. I mean, uh, and I say this, and, you know, I, over the years I've gotten lots of requests to, to do weddings. And if you're divorced, then I'm going to ask you if it's for one of those two reasons and talk to you about that. And it, it's not always cut and dry, but, but if it's not for one of those two reasons, then I, I won't reofficiate, I won't officiate the, the remarriage. And I tell people, I'm not trying to be the judge on that. Uh, but, but the reason that I, uh, that I won't do that wedding is based on the convictions of verse 9 that if, uh, if you marry another, you commit adultery. And as a minister of the gospel, listen, I, I'm, I'm to proclaim God's word and, and to warn people not to partake in sin. I'm not to be a participant in it. And I feel like that if I officiated that marriage, I would be a participant in it. And, and uh, you know, over the years, people have gotten mad at me about that. And, I, you know, I can't apologize for, for believing the, the Bible and, and trying to live that out. But, but listen, it, let me just clarify this. If, if you were divorced for unbiblical reasons and you've since remarried listen god doesn't want you to end that marriage no you you be committed to to that marriage and uh and you don't live in adultery the rest of your life some people believe that i, I mean confess that sin and find god's forgiveness and that's what you should do if if you haven't already you know confess that sin listen confess that sin to god and commit your current marriage to uh, to god until death separates you that's how you can most honor God. And listen, I know some of this is kind of counterculture. Uh, it, it was even in Jesus' day because the disciples say something in verse 10. Uh, the disciples said to him, right after he'd answered that, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. And I believe they got it. The bottom line is, if you are not committed till death do you part, then don't even get married. How about that? Don't even pursue it. If you're not committed until the end, don't, don't even get married. And so let's conclude. This is where I want to get to is just God's good design for marriage. And, and the last point is assert that marriage is meant to be permanent. And again, listen to these words. In verse 4, uh, have you not read that? So he who created them, that's God, from the beginning, he made them male and female. Again, that's what marriage is, one male, one female. Verse 5, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, the two become one flesh. And uh, listen, you say, how do you know that's God's design for marriage? Well, listen, that is in the Bible four times. One time is Genesis 2.24, that's the first time. Uh, that's before the fall, before man even sinned, God told Adam and Eve, this is the picture, a man and a woman, leave father and mother, become uh, cleave to one another, become one flesh. And then it's three other times in the New Testament, including here. And so uh, it's, it's, it's pretty important because it's re-emphasized over and over. And so we just we want to follow God's design, His perfect plan for our marriages. And so just, let me just review those quickly from verse 5. First of all, we're to leave father and mother. We're to leave father and mother. And that doesn't mean we abandon them or forsake them. Or, no, we're not to do that. We're to honor our parents. So we, we, but, but we're to leave them in a sense that, that our husband-wife relationship becomes the most important relationship above every other human relationship. The husband and wife is most important. And I'd be careful how I, I, I say that, but when, when you get married, we have to be more concerned that, that uh, I'm a godly husband, a godly wife, more, more concerned about that than being a, uh, a good son or daughter or a good mother or father. Now, those are all important, but the primary human relationship is between that and a husband and wife. And Now listen, we have this God-given responsibilities as parents to raise our kids. But, but listen, we're, parents, we're primarily raising them to leave the house one day. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. 
Jeff, she beat you on that one, man. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we're raising them to, to be able to go. And, and listen, we want, if we got young children, you don't really want to think about that because it happens so quick, don't you? But we, we want them to be able to, to know how to find a godly husband or wife. And we want them to be a godly husband and wife. And, and we, we want them to, to know some things about that. And, uh, and so one of the things is, is to say one day your, your primary allegiance is no longer to mom and dad but to your spouse. I mean, we had a son got married this year, and that's hard, isn't it? When, when you say, you know, you're supposed to, your, your wife is now supposed to be more important to you than, than us. And uh, you, you, you can't always please everybody. Uh, but your wife, you're, you're to leave us. And secondly, we're to cleave. Hold fast, verse 5, to your wife. It's the picture of being glued together. And, uh, and so it's an ideal of this permanent relationship. And, and so God says, I want a husband and wife to, to, to cleave, to leave and cleave. And, and I say this, that marriage is, is not so much a, a matter of chance as it is a choice to make. And it's not so much about convenience as it is obedience we have some instructions, and we had to decide if I'm going to obey the instructions. And, and so uh, I want to kind of jog your memory a little bit this morning. You, you said something about to have and to hold from this day forward. And you said for most of you probably said for better or for worse. And some of you may feel like, well, I got the, the worse. Well, you, you said for better or worse. And your spouse might feel the same way that she got the worse. But, but you promised. And you make this commitment. And... Uh, it's important. Uh, and, and when you enter that, you, you take this full responsibility for this commitment, and you, you commit yourselves. Even when problems arise, you've committed to one another. And I, I told Jenny, if she leaves, I'm going with her. And uh, <laughs> you should tell your spouse that, and that way they'll be like, well, I can't win, so I just might as well stay here. So we're to leave and cleave, and then thirdly, we're to become one. It's a, marriage is a symbol of total oneness, a total giving of oneself to another person. And when a man and woman gets married, listen, they, they share everything. They share their bodies together. That, that's part of that intimacy. But more than the bodies, our possessions, maybe our debt, our successes, our problems, our ideals, our sufferings, we, everything, we, we share them. That, that's God's plan for total intimacy, this deep unity to become one. And so I'm going to ask you, is your marriage according to God's plan? Have you left your parents as your primary allegiance? How Are you cleaving to your spouse until death? And have you become one? And listen, God wants the very best for our lives. Uh, he, he has no delight in broken relationships and broken vows and children shuffled by. Listen, no, he, he knows the, the harm of that. And so he has given us these instructions. And, and listen, marriage is a serious commitment. Young people hear that. I mean, I encourage young people, don't even date someone you wouldn't consider marrying. But when you get to that point, marriage is, is a serious commitment. And, and so why did Moses have to come up with a certificate of divorce? Well, verse 8, because of the hardness of our hearts. And, uh, and so over the years, I've tried to learn some things uh, about marriage, and I'm a slow learner. Uh, but marriage with, listen, with unity and, and love, it's, it's usually not rooted in romance. It, romance is a, is a plus. And for those of you who struggle like I do in that area, uh, you need all the help you can get. But, but it's really more about worship. And uh, not, not worship of our spouse, but worship of, of God. Uh, wanting God's will to be done in our marriage. And... We're all worshipers, and uh, most of the things that we say and do and think are based upon who or what we worship. And here's the deal. If we worship God, then we're going to want to live for His honor and, and for His kingdom, and uh, we're going to give uh, our, our love to Him first and foremost. And when we love Him first and foremost, then we're able to love others, including our spouse, as we love ourselves. Now, most of the time when there's some marital problems, the couples want to blame each other for the problems, and, and often the, at least part of the problem is with ourselves, and uh, we're, we're selfish, and uh, we want our kingdom instead of God's kingdom, 
And uh, if we worship ourselves, marriage is going to be tough. And, uh, and again, I, when I say that, I know everybody says, I don't worship myself. Well, men, how, how big a deal is it when you can't come home and get some peace and quiet? Or you can't do the hobbies that you once did? Or, or you, you want a clean house? Or how big a deal is that? Or ladies, how, how about you? How big a deal is it for you to have a, a romantic husband or, or to have a certain lifestyle? Or, and we could add a lot of things to that list, but, but some of those things are so important to us that we will fight and quarrel, even with our spouse, if they don't deliver what we expect. I mean, James talks about it in James 4. Why do we, why do we have wars? And because we want what we want. We're selfish. And uh, we, we, we have to see that. that. Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I feel like my marriage is all but over. Maybe you came this morning and in your heart you said, if something doesn't change and I'm going to throw in the towel. Well, Jesus would encourage you to stop fighting to get out of your marriage and start fighting to stay in it. And he'd want you to know that, listen, your marriage is worth fighting for. And as your pastor, I, listen, I want to plead with you from my heart and, and more importantly from the Word of God to hang in there and don't give up on your marriage. Bill Bennett has a book called The the broken hearth, and in it he says that 86%, and listen to this, 86% of marriages that are described as unhappy find that just five years later they are much happier if they decide to stay together and tough it out. That's pretty good, isn't it? Your marriage is tough right now. If you'll stick it out for five years, 86% of you will say, What's, man, we're glad we did. In other words, permanent marital Unhappiness is very rare for couples who decide to hang in there and to fight for their marriages. Now, you, you, you got to fight for it. And you got to, I mean, you got to, anything that's worth having is worth fighting for. And, and I'm going to suggest your marriage is one of those things. And so, and, it's, and for married folks, I'm going to make you this promise that if you'll put God first in your life and your spouse second, there isn't a problem in this world that you can't overcome in your marriage. If you put God first, and your spouse second, there's not a thing in this world that you can't overcome in your marriage. And listen to this. When, when couples attend church together on a regular basis, and that doesn't necessarily mean that God's first in, in, in their life, but it's a good start. Couples that regularly attend worship service to guess, together, the ratio of divorces drops to one out of 105 marriages. That's pretty good, isn't it? Worshiping together. And so, but just before we close, I, this Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is giving some instructions, and we use this in premarital counseling. It says, wives, you're to do this, and husbands, you're to do this, and you're to love your wives as Christ loved. He's given some instructions to the husband and wife within the, the, the realm of marriage. And, and then in verse 31 of chapter 5, he, he quotes Genesis 2, 24. And he says, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, they become one flesh. But then in verse 32, he says, this mystery, this mystery or this truth about marriage is profound. And some of you say, he ain't kidding. But anyway, he's, this mystery is profound, but I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so, church, as believers, we are the bride of Christ. And listen, our bridegroom, Jesus, loves us. And he gave his life to purchase us. He went to the cross to die for our sins. He, he went to the cross to pay the ransom. He, he went to, to buy us, in a sense, for himself. And he died on the cross, and they buried him, and he rose again. And he offers to, uh, for us to come to him and to be saved. But listen, His love for us was displayed on the cross, and, and we can be certain that He's going to be forever faithful till the end. His love is, is faithful. He promises that love to us, the bride. And, and, and what Paul says is that a godly marriage really points others to the gospel. As we love, as, as I love my wife, as Christ, and it, it falls short, but as I love her and as we're committed to each other, we're really pointing others to the gospel and we're showing the never-ending love of Jesus. And so, church, we, we need to reclaim the wonderful truth that marriage is worth fighting for and that love is to be for a lifetime. Let's pray. Listen, that. 
you'll bow your heads for just a moment, I just uh, listen. If 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 your marriage needs a little prayer, just slip up your hand real quick, and I just I won't point you out or nothing. I just want to see some of those. Okay. All right. Let's uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for this institution called marriage. That in your perfect design, you had for us to leave our parents and to cleave to a spouse, to become one, to live in a relationship and enjoy the, the blessings of marriage, the companionship and the having children and dealing with troubles and celebrating together. Thank you for that design. And Lord, we just want to ask you to work in our hearts this morning. For those listening or gathering here, we, we pray that, that you're at work. Lord, there's some who, maybe they don't understand how much you love them. I, I pray that they could look to the cross and see your love on display. I pray that some might be saved. And Lord, there's some here that's going through some rocky times in their marriage. And Lord, I, I pray your encouragement for them this morning. I, I pray that they would know that if they, they'll fight for their marriage, that, that uh, they can have victory. Lord, that they will follow your instructions and, and make you first, that there's hope for their marriages. Lord, I, I pray that you might bring some healing to some. And Lord, for us, some of us men who are ornery, I, I pray that, that we might be reminded of our need to, with your help, to, to work and fight for our marriage and to be a godly husband. I pray for wives who might be struggling. I, I pray encouragement for them. And I, I pray you just grant us some endurance for our marriages. And, and I pray as a church that we can come alongside one another and encourage one another. And Lord, we're selfish. Lord, we're reminded this morning that we have hard hearts sometimes. And Lord, I know for myself so many times I've loved myself more than my spouse. Forgive, forgive me of that. And Lord, we just want to invite you to to be strong and present in these next few minutes. And Lord, whatever you want to accomplish in our lives, we, we pray our answer will be yes. And we'll give you all the praise for that today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me? And maybe you need to trust in Jesus today. I'd, I'd love to talk to you about why Jesus went to the cross and why he died for you and, and how if you'll turn to him and believe you can be saved. I'd love to, listen, you, we all have wicked hearts and the Bible says you must be born again. God wants to give you a new heart. And I'd love to talk to you about that. And maybe this morning you want to come and pray with your spouse. Again, people think, well, they got must, no, this means you want God to strengthen your marriage and all of us should do that. Even at your at your chair, or if you want to come up and pray with your spouse, you're welcome to do that. If if there's something that I could pray for you about, a couple, I, I love to pray with you. Uh, just just be obedient to the Spirit today, and let Him work in your life and in your marriage this morning. Here's my heart, Lord. Here's my I am yours, I am love. 
so good to see you this morning. If you'd be seated for just a moment, uh, Chip and Brandy's going to give you a little information about our married couple's ministry. I, I, do, I just want to say if, uh, if there's something we can do for you and your marriage, um, let us know. Call us. Uh, we'd be glad to chat with you, pray for you, uh, help walk through maybe a, a tough time. We, we just want to make ourselves available for that. And, uh, you know, if, if it's Valentine's Day and if after service, if you want to come up and uh, repeat your vows to your spouse or something, I, I got some vows ready to go. And so <laughs> just uh, come back up, stay up here at the end of the service, and, uh, men, that will, your wife will like that. And uh, if you struggle with romance like I do, you, you need everything you can. So uh, after service, but Chip and Brandy, if you want to come and share, that would be super Good morning. Oh, my goodness, there's a lot more people here in this service. <laughs> a lot more eyes staring back. So uh, we're Chip and Brandy Ramsey. Uh, we help lead uh, BBC Married Life Group uh, here. And I want to thank Carol for giving me a good 15 minutes to talk to you guys. No, you got like five minutes. Five minutes? Yep. Don't need that one. <laughs> Normally I'm the one that does all the talking. I wanted to draw. So, um, I'd like to know something. Raise your hand if you're recently married. Recent, you know, whatever you would consider recent. A year, two years, whatever. Raise your hand if you're not so recently married. All right, that's a lot of hands. All right, how about uh, not married yet? Engaged. Yeah, I, I should have clarified that, so thanks. Okay, move on. Yeah, my kids better keep, keep their hands down. <laughs> so, um, so congratulations to all of you guys who raised your hands. You qualify to be part of the BBC Married Life group. Good job. Page two. <laughs> so uh, Brandy and I have been part of the, the Married Life group here since it began. Um, and we can't remember how many years. It's been less than 10 years, but more than seven or eight years. Long time. And when we started here, our kids were young. They're back in the back. And every week they would say, why do you have to go to marriage class? Don't you, don't you know it all yet? Um, and we'd still come and we'd, they'd complain that we had to take them. Uh, now it's nice when they're teenagers, we can leave them at home. Uh, but the fact is we should never really stop working on our marriages. Right, And so the Married Life Group here provides you guys uh, with an intentional opportunity to invest in your relationships with your spouses, with your wife, with your husband, um, and uh, with your fiancés even, if we, if we have some in the room. And so we want to personally invite you guys, yes, <laughs> to join us on Sunday evenings, evenings starting next week at 6 p.m. right out here. Uh, we're going to have some food. We're going to have some grown-up conversation. When I say grown-up conversation, um, it's as grown-up as you want it to be. And uh, some intentional investment in your own marriages. Um, so, you want to say anything else? No, I think you covered it. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, preacher, you want to give out a Bible? Okay. Ava, sorry about that. Thank you, Danny. All right, we have a so baptismal certificate and a Bible for Ava, and we're so proud of you, and uh, you. may the Lord bless you and use you, Ava. You. Well, let's stand together. We're going to pray. Uh, everybody be careful this week. There's supposed to be some weather coming, but uh, I heard something like that. So uh, stay warm and stay safe. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for the for the, um, the example of love that you give us in the Bible through your son, Jesus, Lord. We just thank you so much uh, for that and having a, a written down account of what we are supposed to do as followers of you and how we're supposed to love people and especially love our wives and husbands. We thank you for that. 
And thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and all that we do. Thank you for Ava this morning and her decision to get baptized. We're just so thankful as a family for that and as a family of, of believers, Lord. We're just thankful to have her. Lord, continue to bless this church and, and all of the ways that you're growing it. Help us just to be responsible with all that growth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.